Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Joe Cook, today joined by Justin Wells. We've got another great edition of Questions Answered as we look forward to Texas' game with Baylor, as well as some recruiting news that has popped up throughout the week. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, like this video, and check out Inside Texas. Use the promo code OTFIT23, and you will be able to check out all the great things Inside Texas provides. So, Justin, you ready to get rolling as we're entering conference play? Man, questions answered. We need to answer them. Let's rock. We'll get to our, our picks later because we're both with a winning record finally. But before that, this is the first game of the Big 12 farewell tour for the Longhorns. It's also going to be the first time that Texas has played a night kickoff game in Waco in over 20 years and their first time playing at night in McLean Stadium. So what do you expect from, I guess, the Baylor crowd and maybe even the Baylor team uh, this Saturday as part of sending Texas off to the SEC with well wishes and nothing but nice things to say? You know, Baylor and Dave Arund have had a hard time so far in 2023, and nothing would straighten it out a lot faster than, than a win over Texas on Saturday night. That's They have nothing to lose, and they're going to play with nothing to lose. And Texas needs to be on their toes. Because anybody can bite you, and, and and crazier things have happened. I think it's going to be a decent crowd, but it is at night, and so being in Baylor, they may not be allowed out past like eight or nine, and so I don't know. You know, they may hit the first quarter, but you know, by the end of the game, they may have to leave early anyway for for morning service. But the truth is, Baylor's going to come strong. They're going to be loud as long as the team's in the game. If Texas can separate, start to kind of you know, get double digits up three or four possessions. And we know how the clock's different this year. It's changed that. That'll wear them down, but they're going to come strong. David Ronda, th those guys, they're going to coach them up. They've got a good defensive line. They've got some, some decent portal guys at certain spots. And even like Sark said today, with Sarge Robertson, it's the unknown. And you don't really know what you're going to get sometimes with the backup quarterback, as Texas learned last year with Donovan Smith and that fluke in Lubbock. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Texas has to be ready for a, a big try to for Baylor trying to get an early pop. Um, they're going to try to get the crowd into it. Should be a pretty raucous crowd, and that's a stadium that you know there's only forty five, fifty thousand, but they crank the speakers up there. It's kind of interesting how loud it can actually get. So they'll be amped for it, and I bet Baylor tries to take some of their uh, their shots early, put some. Pressure on Quinn Ewers are probably going to try to sell out and stop that run to make Quinn have to pass a little bit more. And they'll probably try their best to see if that wide zone can cut something and can get Sawyer Robertson an opportunity. That's really going to be my key. Uh, you know, this is the second straight week where Texas is facing a backup quarterback, um, but they know probably a little bit more about Sawyer Robertson and what his limitations are based off having a lot more film from him at uh, not only at Mississippi State, but also at Baylor. So I think they, they have an idea of what he's going to bring, but they won't yeah. be surprised kind of like they were last year. Um, and if they can get through that first quarter, maybe with like a seven-point lead, uh, something like that, Baylor's still going to be able to run their conventional stuff, but I don't see how Baylor's going to get that past Texas unless there's a lapse like there was last week. So do you think – I got a question for you, though. You and I both covered games at McLean. I got to cover the game where Deshaun Watson got to shadow box the fight. Yeah. Elliot, yeah. Five minutes into the game. I got to ask you, do they still keep those windows open in the press box? I think they do. Because um, that speaker places. system is right there. 
Yeah. And it will, it, it's almost, I call it Club Waco because it's insanely loud. I was curious if they still have that. I think that's, I think that's an advantage for Baylor's uh, press and media because the Texas media and press got to sit in front of that speaker, can't even hear themselves think. The Baylor media, they got a homer. No kidding. So looking at Baylor's defense, you know, we know what Dave Aranda is going to run. He's not going to march out there with something that's going to surprise Steve Sarkeesian. We don't think it'd be pretty bold for Dave Aranda to go against his, uh, you know, his convention when there's a lot of pressure mounting on him um, and Texas is coming in town. How much of a difference do you think it'll make that Sark and the offense will be able to have a really good sense of what they're going to prepare against now that there's Dave Aranda's history and also three weeks of film this year on the Bear defense? I mean, they, they, they should be prepared. You're, you're going to see, obviously, Aranda is going to show some things that may be a little different, a few different looks, a few little tweaks here and there. But they've faced each other enough to know kind of what's in his bag of tricks, and he doesn't divert from that very often. He is, he's pretty solid in his principles and in his fundamentals and what he wants to accomplish. I think Texas is going to have a plan of attack, and it's going to go one of two ways. They're going to go vertical early and try to attack the the defense, even in a three high and try to get them or what Ian calls it and try to get them, you know, in a rhythm going down the field, or they're just going to power the power run with CJ Baxter back. I think it's going to be the latter. And listen, that's going to be tough for Sark because you know how tempted he is to chunk the ball at any, he's a grip it and rip it guy. We get it, but this is a game. I think Texas doesn't have to, you know, you don't, the possessions are limited now, Joe, you have to be very, you got to be judicious with how you take these shots and how how you use these possessions. And I think if you can line up and run it down their throat with a, with with a combination of Baxter a, and Jonathan Brooks mixing a little Keelan Robinson, some Jaden Blue, man, that should I, I feel like that would be the the the, the smarter route. But listen, Sark knows what he's doing, and it's going to go one or two ways. They're going to run the ball forty times, or they're going to start chunking it early and try to try to try to get the uh, nail in the coffin early. Yeah, the, the thing about that, I don't I don't think Aranda runs the three safety defense. He runs a three three five, but everybody kind of runs this weird three three five that creates four man fronts no matter what. Right. It's that three safety defense that messes with Sark's passing game, and it messes with every passing game. That's why it's so common. <laughs> um, but that's not what they're gonna run. They're gonna run what Dave Aranda's run for the past 10, 15 years, what was successful at Utah State, Wisconsin. You know, they tweak that a little because of Sark's inability. Watching the rice tape, watching the Wyoming tape, you don't think that that would be tweaked a little? That's not a tweak. That's a wholesale thing. <laughs> it, it really is. Okay, and, good and point, I think good point. doing something like that just to try to sell out against Texas, like what, what happens if that goes wrong? Now you're what, one in three? You may see some looks that kind of look like that and maybe do some similar things, but I don't think we're going to see like a massive surprise. And and I think Sark's going to be able to recognize that running the ball against the the Bear defensive front that doesn't have a Siaki Ika, that doesn't have a a Dylan Doyle, doesn't have Terrell Bernard. And then even, you know, you keep talking – there's no Jalen Petrie back there. I don't even think Raleigh. I can't remember if Raleigh Tahad is there anymore. Or if he played for TCU, but he's not there. Like this is a Baylor defense that kind of lacks dudes that Dave Aranda could make use of in years past. And I think they'll be able to run the ball probably better than they were able to against Wyoming. They still did a good job there. 
We'll switch it. We'll, we'll actually we'll keep it a little bit more on the offense. We've seen really good Quinn, and we've probably seen not so good Quinn. I don't think we've seen bad Quinn, but we've seen not right. so good Quinn. Who do you think's more likely to show up in Waco? I, I think it's good Quinn, and, and 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 I hate to say good Quinn over you know average Quinn. I think it's going to be better. I really do. Um, night game. Um, Quinn's kind of you know he wants to he wants to. I think he wants. He's like Sark. He wants to chunk the ball. He loves. He loves getting the ball. He loves showing off his arm. He loves getting guys downfield, uh, like he did against Alabama. I think that's what we're going to see from Quinn. I think we're going to see a more refined Quinn. I don't think it's necessarily good versus average. I think it's going to be a little bit more refined. If his feet are set, the ball is going to come out accurate. It's as simple as that. If his feet are fluttering a little bit, if he's moving a little bit, and he's flicking it. The boss tends to sell on kids. If he's refined, I think that's what we're going to see a, a better version of Quinn on Saturday. You know, coming into the year, one of my big things about Quinn was how does he handle road environments? Because he's going to face not only Alabama, but he's going to go to Baylor, he's going to go to Iowa State, he's going to go to TCU, and you, know, you get that OU environment halfway, yeah. I guess to say, and Houston, not to discount them. Those are all teams that are going to be gunning for him for another reason or another. But he handled the Alabama environment and played probably his best game. And there are a lot of points left on the, the field um, via drops from Xavier Worthy. Uh, I think even Jordan Whittington, like there were plays that he made that were not reflected in the box score. So that kind of checked the big box for me that he can go to these environments and do really well, yeah. um, even with 50 to a hundred thousand people screaming down at him. We also saw, yeah, like you said, that if he's able to have an, Good idea of what to anticipate, which he didn't have versus Rice and he didn't have versus Wyoming. It really drastically affects his play. Yes. If Saban's been running the same defense he has for, I don't know, 15 years now. Or if he, if it hasn't changed, if it's changed, it's not changed a tremendous amount. That structure is still the same. What it asks players to do is still the same. Quinn probably had a really good idea of that going into the game. And I think something similar holds here with Dave Aranda. Dave's run pretty similar stuff right that helps for a quarterback who while he's able to prepare uh or is preparing more in depth than he was last year still kind of learning how to do it still playing and just he hadn't even played 15 games in college yet so i think having a little bit sent a better sense of knowing what's coming in addition to being comfortable on the road i think that'll help quinn a lot let me get this cough out of the way i was about to say if Quinn is not as congested as you are, I feel good about his his, his performance on Saturday. Those Central Texas allergies. Oh, man. All right, we'll switch it over to defense. What player do you think needs to have a great game in order to really make the Baylor offense struggle or have a hard time moving the ball down the field? I'm going to go – the easy answer is the D-line. Uh, or the other easy answer is edge. If you get pressure, so Burke or, or Hill or those guys, I'm going to go with Jaron Thompson and Jalen Catalan. You know, those are going to be – those have been opportunistic guys this year. We've seen Jaron get have a busted play and turn around and make a big play multiple times. We've seen Jalen Catalan, you know, making an impact when he is in the game because he's they are kind of a three-headed monster splitted snaps with Keaton Crawford back there. So I think the safeties back there, to me, kind of to keep everything in front of them, to, to, to make sure there's not a busted big play, to make sure Baylor – because Baylor might try to inch it down the field. They may not try to do too much 
to, that way they hold possession, they can control tempo. Those safeties to me are going to be the one that indicate that because we know the D line is going to get after it, and we know the edge play should be strong. So my big thing is going to be those two safeties, Jaron and Jalen. What do you think? I'm going to go the other way. I, I think it's going to be Tavondre Sweat when you're running that wide zone, which they major in at Baylor. That's that's what they're going to run. They'll run a little bit of everything, but that wide zone is what they want. If you can get any penetration into the backfield, let's say that there's a gap between center and right guard or right guard and right tackle. That is just clear as day. Well, if that center's walked into the backfield, there's no way that that running back's going to be able to make it to that gap. He's got to run around wherever the defensive tackle blew up the center, and that gap's probably not there anymore. So I'm going to put it on uh, Tavondre Sweat. Of course, that also means Byron Murphy and Alfred yeah. Collins are going to have to have a good game. But stop, you know, what's closest to the, 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 the positions that are closest to the ball are the ones that have the most impact on the play immediately, I feel like. And if Tavondre Sweat can start walking back centers and, you know, making double teams ineffective, preventing those double teams from getting to the second level, that's going to make it real tough on Baylor to get anything going. And plus, we've seen this Texas run defense just be really stout uh, throughout the entire Yeah, season. That, that's kind of what I meant. Like, I, I think the D-line goes with that, almost goes without saying, but I, I see what you mean, especially with the wide zone. Yeah, the the D line aside from Jalen Milrose scrambles, like that's been the thing that cut that cut them up most. That Texas defense, and of course, one play where Anthony Hill was two gaps away from the one he was supposed to be in, like that. That's basically been it. Like that's what, how Texas has been, you know, taken advantage of in the in the defensive on defense. Sawyer Robertson's not Jalen Milrow. Uh, maybe a little bit better passer, but you know, definitely not as good of a runner. Um, and I think Texas will have everything shored up. Remember, we could see Mo Blackwell in this game uh, to get David Benda some some help and uh, uh, could keep Anthony Hill more in line with that focused assignment that he typically gets. We always hit on a little bit of recruiting here, and uh, Texas got a little bit of bad news the other day with Danny Okoye from Tulsa going to the in-state Sooners, Texas and Missouri – or excuse me, Texas and Tennessee – uh, had been hard after him, but uh, Okoye takes a visit to Oklahoma. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Probably the visit that seals his decision and he makes his commitment the other day. Texas does have Colin Simmons and they have Zena Umuzulu committed. What's next in the 2024 class at that edge position for Texas after Okoye's commitment to Oklahoma? They, you know, they started with Colin Simmons and they grabbed Zena Umuzulu a couple weeks ago. Um, there's there's one more spot there. I think that I think the number is going to be four, but it's going to be three recruits and one portal guy. I think they're going to go back to the portal for another edge guy, an experienced edge guy in the offseason. So there's one spot left. And right now, Solomon Williams kind of want has that thing tattooed on him. It, it, you know, the Carol Wood Day uh, big man out of Tampa. He, he's the kid that he's coming in for his official visit. I believe it's in a couple weeks. Um, 
that's the one Texas has kind of identified. Um, you know, to me, he's very similar to, to Justice Finkley, cat they took a couple years ago out of Alabama. Um, that's the one. That, that's kind of the guy they were down on. Now they're still doing some senior evaluation, so you're always got to be kind of cognizant of, of some other guys that could pop in. But they've stuck to their board pretty tight, pretty strict. They know kind of who they want and, and, and where they're going. And right now they want to add one more of, the, of that edge spot. Don't forget the edge position at Texas. Those guys are kind of young. And so you, you don't – you definitely need it, a, another one for a number standpoint, but uh, Williams is probably the most likely. That's a guy – he's down – he's got Alabama. He's got Florida. He's got a number of, of schools still in the mix. I think USC and Oregon are, are making a push as well. But at the end of the day, uh, Texas getting him on the campus for an official is going to be huge. That's going to be big. And I think that, to me, is going to determine if Texas closes with him or if they push in another direction, say October, I think they would take him right now. I, I think that all sounds about right. I like that four number. The only thing I am a little bit apprehensive of is, you know, Texas may want an edge guy in the portal. Everybody wants an edge guy in the portal. One you know, of the highest demand next to quarterback, one of the highest demands. Yeah. You know, NIL is not the same as, how do I put this? Look at how the NFL operates. Quarterbacks get paid a lot, but so do the people who are paid to take them down. And at a, that, that, that's just demand. Yeah. And so any high-end uh, guy who enters the portal, the one that comes to mind for me is always going to be Jared Verse, who's at Florida State now. Any high-end guy who enters the portal like that, they are going to be sought after. So I'm really curious to see if there's a, a senior eval uh, that really rises up the ranks and, and does a lot of great things that, you know, kind of like Mora Ojimo a few years ago has Texas and Oklahoma and Texas A&M. And I think even Al uh, Alabama getting involved in trying to make a run at him. I wonder who that's going to be. Um, and if that that's what uh, maybe materializes at the position, um, in addition to a likely portal uh, looking for a portal guy, but, that's just a tough game to play, knowing how in-demand edge rushers are. Uh, for every Jared, for every Jared Verse, there's an O'Shawn Mathis. That's true. Who I don't know if he's still on a 53-man roster at this point. Got one more recruiting question, and then we'll give our prediction. I don't know if you were able to tell on Longhorn Network, but there were 101,777 people at DKR on Saturday. And they were treated to a light show. They were treated to an exciting football game. They got loud. And there were a lot of 2025 prospects who made their way to Austin in order to soak it all in. So is there one 2025 recruit that off the top of your head, Texas fans should be really glad was in attendance to see that game take place? No question. Six foot one, 175 pound wide receiver on three, four star Marcus Harris out of modern day. Listen, guys, this recruitment is starting to – I don't know. <laughs> Texas is really steady in cruise control on this one now. Marcus had been on campus a handful of times with, the, with some of his modern day teammates who are also being recruited by Texas. He brought his mom this time. She had a blast. Marcus told Inside Texas how much she loved the staff. She loved the environment. I'm telling you, like, I, Texas was already kind of looking good for Marcus before this last trip. Texas is got to, they have to be the leader. And it's early. It's early for the 2025 prospect, but they have to be the early leader here because don't forget, he's bonding with Chris Jackson, a wide receiver coach at UT, who's also 
a modern day alum. There's a lot of similarity, a lot of connection there, a lot of goodwill. And don't forget that pipeline that's being constructed into Santa Ana, California right now. And one last note, I, I was talking to a source close to the team about Jackson and, and or about um, Marcus Harris. And he said, don't forget, George, that's Jordan Davison's best friend. Jordan Davison is the on three uh, four star running back out of modern day who is very, very fond of Texas as well. It's Texas, it's Oklahoma, it's USC, it's Ohio State. Ohio State's probably going to be the biggest contender in that one. But these modern day guys, they like each other and they're starting to really like Austin. And it's, you know, you, you got guys like Spencer Shannon, you got a Brady Sarkeesian, you got a Brandon Baker who's making a decision on Sunday. And I really like where Texas sits on that one. They're still recruiting a DeAndre Carter, O lineman who's committed to Auburn. And they're on Jordan Davison and Marcus Harris for 2025s. They got 2026s on the radar. Sean Scott, you've got to watch that. You want an edge in two years out of California? Look at Sean Scott. They're building that pipeline. Marcus Harris coming this last week. So many good things happen, but the best for a 2025 was Marcus Harrison, Texas, and his mother getting to, to see Austin. Steve Sarkeesian, Chris Jackson, and Tashard Choice recruiting at, at Modern Day sounds like a pretty good combo for Texas fans. But That's pretty unfair to others. Time to go back to what's going on on the field. We got to give our prediction against the spread. Justin, you and I are both two and one, and we pretty we were pretty accurate with how we called last week's game. Um, I think there were some, you know, if you want to go back and watch, there are some details we were off, off off about, but for the most part, it was a close game that had some, you know, tight moments, but in the end, Texas pulled away thanks to just making sure their talent advantage showed through. So we're both two and one. We both did not think the Longhorns would cover 29. They weren't that far, though. But this no. week, the line that I saw just before we started hitting record, it's at Texas by 14 and a half, 14 and the hook. So do you think Texas covers 14 and a half? Has it dropped a little think- bit? Cause I think I had it 15 and a half this morning. I'm going to have to make an, I'm going to have to make a change in how to watch. Cause I think it was 15 and a half this morning. Um, It'll be fine. But 14 and a half. What do you think about that one? That's a tricky one. And the odds makers know it's man, one as well. It's tricky because. You know, it's like an NFL line. That bigger that NFL line, the less likely that hits. Like, that's just the, the, the law of averages. Less likely that they actually win by that much. And with the lack of possessions, man, it's just you got you, you to gotta beat on somebody. Um, I do think Texas covers. I do think they cover. I don't think it's going to be much more than 14, 15 and a half. I could see a 17-point win, maybe a 20-point win. And that's if Quinn Ewers doesn't turn the ball over. They're successful running the ball. They hit a few big shots down the field, and the defense creates havoc with quarterback and, and turnovers. Um, I think they cover, but I, I, I do. But like I said, it's just going to be barely over that. I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking like a 17-point win, so I'm going to say Texas covers the spread. I'm Ooh. thinking 17 as well. Um, I think what – I mean, you think of 17 points, that's 38-21. Something and if like it's 15 that. and a half, that field goal is going to sway. Yeah, no kidding. This one could be an interesting one for the odds makers uh, if it goes the way we go. And I think, you know, those odds are made with talent. When you when you look at that with, with level of talent and also level of play, and of course, you know, what the um, what's already happened on the field in mind. And I, I think that just proves a lot that even on the road, even at night, Texas right now is seen as a – 14 and a half point favorite, two touchdown favorite 
over this 2023 Baylor team. Not the best news for Dave Aranda, but hey, they play the games on the field for a reason. Uh, so I'm with you. I see a cover. So hey, this time next week we're gonna have the same record, whether it's three and one or two and yep. two. We'll find out. So thank you for watching on Texas Football. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Head over to Inside Texas OTFIT23. It's the best way to get all the best Longhorn information. Thank you to our producer, Matthew Hutchinson. Justin, thank you as always for joining. And for On Texas Football, I'm Joe Cook. We will see you next time.